0: my bible open to the book of psalms and the chapter our psalm number is 119 119 in the book of psalms i will not read all 176 verses tonight i will recommend that after this sermon perhaps later tonight or during the week It will surely do each one of us good to read the entire 119th Psalm. I want to read the first two stanzas, and that will convey to us the tone and the theme of this part of God's Word, Psalms 119. Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord, Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong, but walk in his ways. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes, then I shall not be put to shame, having my eyes fixed on all your commandments." I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes On your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Without any further reading or commentary, the theme is very clear in these opening two stanzas in the 119th Psalm. This is written to praise the wonderful law of God. And there is a premise that you can follow all the way through from verse 1 to verse 176. And that premise is, whatever comes from God, we believe is good and good for us to learn and keep his statutes. The law God gave to the Jews through Moses was perfectly suitable for that time and those people before Christ. The book of James tells us that the New Testament is the perfect law of liberty. So, in every dispensation, when God spoke, every word of what he said was not just sufficient or suitable at some minimal level, but it was perfect and beautiful for that time And for those people, and that is certainly true of the covenant that we are under, the New Testament of Jesus Christ. The 119th Psalm offers praise to God for His wonderful communication to mankind, and then calls upon man to respond Walk in the law of the Lord, keep it diligently, fix your eyes on all His commandments, seek His law with your whole heart. Let me speak for a moment about the structure or the arrangement of this chapter in the book of Psalms, 119. And I promise not to get too wound up in all of this, but it's part of the text I'd like for us to recognize in the beginning of our study. What I'm going to talk about may or may not be indicated in the Bible that you hold in your hand, but there are 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. Corresponding to each letter, you will observe there are 22 stanzas in the 119th Psalm. Using the entire alphabet, the inspired writer penned in sequence this poem of praise to God for His wonderful law. Perhaps this form would have made it easier for readers and students and listeners among the Jews To commit this to memory or to remember the message that is emphasized from verse 1 all the way through. One more thing I want to bring up before we get to the heart of our study. While there is some repetition in the 119th Psalm, we ought not to be bored by it or skip over it. It provides emphasis. The writer is really not just saying the same thing over and over again. He is repeating the theme of the psalm with various words and phrases to get it into our hearts and to help us remember it. You may remember in high school or college if a teacher assigned a 300-word essay and you wrote your essay out and it came to 280, you would go back and maybe get a thesaurus out and find those other 20 words just to meet the demand of the assignment. That's not what's happening here. There is beautiful variation of terminology and color when we behold the law of God and we look at it and see its various angles and benefits. The repetition in the 119th Psalm serves to emphasize the theme, the value of what God says man ought to do. These things are something to be thought about and spoken and acted on and repeated all through life and remembered. I want to point out, interspersed in this poem, there are clear statements of real-life situation. And I bring that up to make this point. The writer of the 119th Psalm is not seated at a comfortable desk, out in an ivory palace, completely and perfectly protected. In verse 95, he says, The wicked were out to destroy him. In verse 87, he says, They have almost made an end of me. The writer, therefore, did not see God's law as a cold list of duties, a rigid, impersonal rule book. He loved God, and therefore, he loved what God said. And what God communicated that man ought to remember and do. So he commends the law of God for application in real life, whatever the circumstance. And the writer knew very difficult circumstances. So with these introductory matters given to you, here's what I want to do. Here's where I want to take us. (coughs) We're going to use the passage to answer this question tonight. What? can God's Word do for me? Very basic, simple points we're going to make. I'm not going to go through all 22 stanzas, but I have found five things that benefited me and I trust will benefit everyone here tonight. What can God's Word do for me? Inform my mind. When God made man, He gave us mental capacity. Far beyond the instincts of the animal kingdom, and while God made trees and rocks and dirt, we have, we are favored with a mind, mental capacity. And that means, among other things, (coughs) we can read, and we can learn, and we can listen, and we can devote our will to changing And we can devote ourselves to action that can make us better people. We can fill our minds with good things. As we load our minds with good from God, we are also able to identify and expel what is bad. This psalm speaks of filling our minds with God's Word. Quickly notice... Verse 7, learning righteous rules. 12, blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. A rock cannot make such a plea. Verse 66, teach me good judgment and knowledge. Verse 73, give me understanding that I may learn your commandments. 104, through your precepts I get understanding. Many other verses in the chapter. Tell me. That I can take what God has given in His Word, in our case, the New Covenant, the New Testament of Jesus Christ, supplemented by the wisdom in the Old Testament, and I can load that into my mind. I can program my mind with that data, and it will be good for me. I can put God's Word into my mind. I am not destined to live with an empty mind or a mind filled with the changing selfish philosophies of men. I can put God's Word in my mind, and I must, never pausing from the task, as long as I live, filling my mind with what God gave in His Word. I say again, we can load God's Word into our minds like we would a program into a computer. And what is corrupt and misguided and ill-advised is identified by the Word of God and can then be evicted. God's Word can move me to action. Notice how action is highlighted all the way through the 119th Psalm. Verse 1, walking in the law of the Lord. Verse 10, with my whole heart, I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandment. Now these are verbs. Walking, seeking, not wandering along the pathway, but continuing active responses to God. Faithful Jews in the Old Testament well understood God's law wasn't just there to learn, but memorize and teach others and it was to be obeyed, and obeyed with daily commitment and consistency. In our adult Bible class, as we make our way through the book of James, the theme is very clear, the activity of faith. In fact, in James chapter 2, James gives us two examples from the Old Testament. That's one of the values of the Old Testament. James calls attention to Abraham and Rahab. Abraham became the friend of God through his trust that was obedient. When Rahab heard from God's messengers, she acted. See, that's the activity of faith that has always been necessary throughout the dispensations of time in response to law from God. God's word is given to fill my mind and then find expression actively in my life. God's Word has a corrective function, it has a corrective function. God's Word corrects me. I believe sometimes we just feel inadequate. And we may not be able to identify why at first with that emotion of inadequacy. We sense that we are not really all we ought to be. We know that we need to be corrected. I do. I think you can all identify. We just know we need to be fixed and adjusted and have our course corrected. God's word is where we go to have that specified. And find the remedial action that ought to be taken. No book written by men has the same power as this book. So in verse 21, you rebuke the insolent, (coughs) accursed ones who wander from your commandment. Verse 29, put false ways far from me and graciously teach me your law. Now, it may not be with a Sunday night crowd. It may not be you're guilty of murder, adultery, idolatry, or drunkenness. But sometimes we detect that in zeal, or in attitude, or in diligence to serve others, and in consistency, we know we need help. We need correction. We need rebuke. We need to get on a better course. We need to correct our course. God's Word has that function for us like no other book. We ought to welcome God's Word into our minds even when there may be some pain associated with the initial rebuke or correction when we open our minds to God's Word. Number four, God's Word gives me strength. So, verse 28 in the 119th Psalm, Strengthen me according to your word. Verse 133, Keep my steps steady. The best people I know freely admit they need the strength God's word provides. I know some very good people here And in other places, who are walking worthy of their calling, their faith is active, they are praying people. They have integrity and purity and diligent in their interest in serving others. Every single one of them. Freely admit that they need to keep going to God's Word for strength to continue to do what they've been doing. Weakness is approaching us here on earth through temptation and stress and strain and trials and weariness. God's Word responds to us when we sense that we're being tempted to be weak. God's Word says in Galatians 6 and verse 9, Do not be weary in doing good. Is there a season in your life when you don't need to hear Galatians 6 and verse 9, do not be weary in doing good, keep doing good. The apostle Paul relied on Christ and the teaching the Holy Spirit gave him to stay strong, to be strengthened by Christ. He said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me in Philippians four thirteen, Do you need strength? I need strength. God's word delivers. And then I wanted to add, as we go through the 119th Psalm, with the benefits of what God's word can do for us, give us hope. Just imagine now being informed and moved and corrected and strengthened And then you die and it's all over? I want you to think of that. You're informed. You've been well informed. You're moved to action. You're corrected and you're strengthened. And then you die and it's all over. No. Verse 43, my hope is in your rules. Verse 114, I hope in your word. Let me address a superficial idea that comes up sometimes in our Bible reading and Bible study. That superficial idea is that in the Old Testament there was no clear statement of life after death. I'm going to identify that as a superficial idea. Because upon further reading and study, there are indications of eternal life in the Old Testament. Now it's not as specifically attached to the resurrection of Christ as in 1 Corinthians 15 that we studied a few weeks ago. But it's there in the Old Testament. It wasn't, I'm going to be informed and moved and corrected and strengthened and then I die and it's all over. No. Here's one example. In the book of Job chapter 19, 25 to 27. You'll remember it as soon as I begin to read it. For I know that my Redeemer lives. And at the last, He will stand upon the earth, and after my skin has been thus destroyed, yet in my flesh, I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold, and not another, my heart, faints within me. So the saints of the Old Testament had this hope, though not as vividly described as in the new covenant. They had it. God gave it to them. So it wasn't a matter of I'm going to be informed and moved and corrected and strengthened and I die and it's all over. No, not at all. Here in the Psalms, this hope, if I keep myself straight According to God's Word, there is hope for me. Especially now, when you add the New Testament dimension of hope, you've got an abundance of hope you can live by every day. Especially when you add that New Testament redemptive dimension, the forgiveness and the grace offered in Christ. So God's Word informs motivates me, corrects me, strengthens me, but then after I die, I realize the full, perfect, forever benefit of my attachment to God through His Word. Now, what more can be said? Here's what we need to see about God and what comes from God. It is perfect because He is perfect. Sometimes in Bible reading and studying sermons and classes, we bring up the attributes of God. And we have a classic list of attributes that we sometimes bring up. These are the characteristics or the attributes of God. And we talk about love and mercy and forgiveness and justice and truth. And we list all those things that are associated with deity and we call those the attributes of God. And sometimes we describe those as a whole as the character of God. When God speaks... It reflects His character. The law of God reflects the nature, the character. All of the attributes of God are to be discovered in His law. And we can embrace those attributes and embed them in our lives through Jesus Christ as we hear, believe, and obey the Word. Whatever comes from God is perfectly suited to its purpose. His Word is completely free from error, is designed for the benefit of man, is entirely suitable to our day-to-day needs. And if we fail to keep it, if we fail to keep it, we can humbly stand at the cross. And as we respond as God directs penitently by grace, we can be forgiven. What a deal. By that response to the Savior that we offer to God now, we can have that hope that rests upon the truth that my Redeemer lives. I commend to you the 119th Psalm. I hope I have created some appetite for you to go back into the 119th Psalm. And I recommend that in addition to your regular Bible reading, You spend some time here with God and yourself in the 119th Psalm. Let's be standing as we sing.